Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Jared Hutch, known as The Monk, or Jerry Hutch, has been arrested in Spain on foot of a European arrest warrant. The 58-year-old is currently in, a Spanish, in Spanish custody. It is believed that he was detained in Fingarola uh, on the Costa del Sol, and Gardi believe he had been moving between Spain, where he has a home, and other European countries. His extradition was sought by the Garda team in Ballymun, which has been investigating the murder of David Byrne at the Regency Hotel back in February 2016. And the 34-year-old Kinahan organised crime group member was shot dead at a boxing weigh-in uh, by a gang of armed men dressed as Gardaí. One was actually dressed as a woman, if you remember that uh, particular story at the time. And back in July, Gardaí served book of evidence on four men, including a former Sinn Féin councillor, who are charged in connection with the murder. A file on the case was submitted to the Director of Public Prosecutions, uh, who then applied to the High Court for a European arrest warrant for Jerry Hutch. Uh, Irish independent journalist Paul Williams joins me on the line uh, to give me a little bit more about it. Crime journalist and author of the book On the Monk uh, that was published last year. Paul, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Niall. Good to talk to you. Uh, now, Paul, well, first of all, Jerry Hutch, right? I mean, the only thing really most of us know about Jerry Hutch is what <clears> we <throat> saw in the Veronica Guerin movie. And he was romanticised as this ordinary, decent criminal or this nice guy of criminality. I mean, what is Jerry Hutch like or who is he? Well, as I, in the book, the strap line of the book was the monk, the life of crimes of our most enigmatic gang boss. And I've been chronicling his life story since the 80s. And he, the word enigmatic is the, is the one that always took out of my mind about him. He was certainly, uh, you know, a, a rarity in gangland. He's certainly an, a, a very much a, an unprecedented character in many ways. Uh, he did... And this doesn't glorify him anyway. And you'd have you have to understand the sort of the concept of organised crime and, and how it operates. And the, uh, I say this that he was considered to be the last of a so-called breed called ordinary thieves, as in guys who did not go around butchering people. Uh, yes, he was uh, nothing, nothing along the lines of the general or any of those individuals. Uh, yeah, he, he, didn't, he didn't go looking for trouble. He didn't go trying to create problems. He didn't. He carried out big arm robberies. He stayed away from the drug trade largely, although in the background he was an investor in, in various deals and stuff like that. But he stayed out of all of that. He didn't go around looking for trouble. He didn't throw his way around. He was he was always a very pragmatic, strategic. Uh, kind of character. He lived a clean life, kept himself fit, didn't smoke, uh, was was uh, uh, didn't drink very much uh, until recent years. He ran and helped finance a, a boxing club, the Corinthians, in the North Inner City, which was a you know a great assistance to the community, trying to keep kids away from trouble. And in fact, it's very difficult for you to find anyone in the North Inner City in his old, his old neighborhood, the Hutch neighborhood, to say a bad word about him. Yeah. Uh, having, having said all of that. He is, at the moment, incarcerated in a cell in Spain, uh, awaiting extradition to face charges connected to one of the most outrageous and audacious uh, acts of narco-terrorism we have ever seen in this country. Uh, and the pictures of that are etched in everybody's mind. About well, the videos, of course, we've all seen the videos as well. I mean, these are the and, videos and, and, where the Gardaí, well, we thought it was Gardaí, yeah, yeah. and, and a woman, who we thought was a woman, of course, a man with a wig on, went in mm-hmm. and opened fire on members of the public. With AK-47s. But in fact, yeah. even within that, it showed a degree of... That's, it was what you call a spectacular in terrorism terms. 
But it was also exceptionally well organized, and I'll tell you how and why, and this is in absolutely no way to in any way justify it, but in terms of the, the, the discipline shown by those killers that went into that hotel that day, uh, they picked out one member of the Kinnan cartel. They didn't actually open fire uh, indiscriminately on the on the audience. It didn't hit any innocent people, which you know it's, they won't be swear uh, calling using that in mitigation when they're going down uh, if they're convicted in the special criminal court uh, down the road. But it did illustrate a degree of very fo- how focused and disciplined it was, which is very much the characteristics of everything Hutch did in his life. Now, it was a spectacular miscalculation. It was one of the biggest, it was the biggest mistake this man has ever made in his life. He had retired from criminality and now... That's he right, he was a, driving a taxi of course. Position. Well, he was well, do, he, he was he, doing he, Debs. Yeah. Well, he, he'd done that years ago. But yeah. He'd quit all that. He was oh, he had finished that, had he? Yeah. yeah, he was living in Spain, living the high, a good life, a quiet life, and keeping his head down because he had loads of money. He's invested very, very well in the Dublin. Well, I mean, that, that, well, that's the thing, Paul. I mean, was he wealthy at that stage? Now, I know he paid the revenue a large sum of money at one stage. Then he paid cab 1.2 million. That's right. Yeah. 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 And then, and then he, he ended up in court um, because he was being denied a taxi license. And I remember the yeah. story at the time I was working at another radio mm. station. It was on the news at the time that the court had ruled in his favour. They couldn't deny him a right to earn a living. Mm. Um, so he got his taxi license. And then he, he bought the big, um, you know, one of those big limos. The big stretch limo. Yeah, the stretch limo yeah. for doing the Debs. Um, so he seemed to be, you know, going going down the road of being, you know, you, the, the guy and hanging up the, the I suppose, you know, the, the life of crime and, and moving on with his life. But did he have much money at that stage? Oh, he's he, he, very wealthy man, yeah, because he invested very cleverly. Like, you know, the reality was with the cab in, in those days, the strategies, their strategy was that, you know, you get money out of these guys, you don't completely and absolutely impoverish them. They always have a few bob left somewhere. Um, he had a lot of property interests right across, uh, you know, in Europe, he had a lot of property, a lot of property here in the UK. So he's quite a wealthy dude. He made a lot of money. Remember, they, they, he robbed something the equivalent of 13 million euros in mm-hmm. today's money. Uh, apart from, I think it was 300 or 400,000 pounds of that seized. Back well, of course, he, he would deny that, that by the way, can I point out? You know, he would mm-hmm. deny he would deny that. Oh, he was always denied it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think we've gone well past that with Jerry and Jerry knows that himself. Uh, uh, I have talked to him. I, do, I, do, I have heard some very funny interviews with him, by the way, because he's a very clever man with words. Uh, he's very clever, but that makes you think as well, though. But I'm perplexed by it because I do think I understand his psychology, and I've I've been on his in his shadow and on his shoulder for over thirty years. Did now. you ever talk to him? But I find it. I find oh, I did right here several times. Yeah, but I find it astonishing that a man of his intelligence and supposed ability. To disappear, he disappeared in April when it came out that the European arrest warrant had been issued here for his to bring him back on to extradite him back here for to face the charge of murdering David Byrne. Um, you know the fact that he was found in Fungarola, it's a bit like you going to ground and still hanging around uh, the four FM. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And, and like he, he's well and well and truly caught. Is, I mean, is the, is the net, Paul, closing in on all of this organised crime? Of course, that particular incident in the Regency Hotel was the start of many murders because, of course, you had the whole family feud between uh, Hutch and Kinahan. So, I mean, is the net closing in on them all now? Well, the, the, the net is closing in on these guys. The net is not closing in on organised crime. This particular, these are the most prominent 
briars or nettles that are growing up in your garden. And what we're doing in the process at, at the moment is cutting them down. Uh, the problem with organized crime is that's what it is at the moment. You, you cut the weeds down, but you never get to the roots of them, and they will continue to grow at a, at a ferocious rate, as we can see the country's flood of drugs, and the, a lot of people are uh, uh, prospering from it. But these guys, this war, what happened between these two tribes, just re- re- remind your listeners, 2015, uh, Gary Hutch, Jer- Jerry's nephew, was shot dead by, on the orders of Daniel Kennan in Spain. But that was Kinahan reneging on a deal. He did a face-to-face deal with Jared Hutch in 2014 to save the life of Gary Hutch because Gary Hutch was part of an integral part of Kinahan's organisation but fell out with him, pulled a stroke, got a guy to go along and shoot Daniel Kinahan, shot an innocent man instead. Then they put out a contract on him. He's dead. But the point is that he was part of what's called gangland royalty. These guys live in a different world to us. I'm not accrediting them as uh, that, that, that this is normal. I think that this is the way they think, the way they carry on. He was gangland royalty because he was a hutch. So therefore, they had to negotiate. Otherwise, they would have just whacked him straight away. So they did a deal, and the deal was the compensation was paid. That Gary Hutch keeps head down and keep his mind, stay well away from them. Um, but they didn't let him off the hook, and a year later, they reneged on the deed, killed him. The most significant thing after that, the most shocking thing, that the, the big shock I've had since Veronica Guerin was murdered, uh, was when uh, on, on New Year's Eve we got word that uh, two hitmen had been dispatched from Dublin to shoot dead uh, Jerry Hutch in a bar in Lanzarote on the orders of Daniel Kinham. That was... Unprecedented. That was unprecedented, but everybody was writing about that at the time here, saying this is the start of something big. And everybody who knew Hutch would know that something else was going to happen. And then we saw it in the Regency, that meticulously planned but outrageous act of narco-terrorism, which then, as you said, unleashed unmerciful uh, bloodshed and savagery on the streets of Dublin. But I think uh, the proper figure is 14 of the 15 subsequent deaths after the murder of David Byrne. In the, in the two years, were carried out by the Kinnans, who went to basically car- wipe out the Hutches. And in that process, Jerry Hutch's brother, Eddie, was shot dead, who Eddie was his closest sibling and was his mentor growing up. Uh, his three are dead, and two of his best friends were also uh, assassinated. So, and he left the country very quickly after that. As I said, it was a miscal- spectacular miscalculation. But he's been on the run now since 2016. He can keep his head down very, very well. Um, he had been moving around, but then when the hint of this, this file, there was a file sent by the Guardian Ballymun to the DPP late last year, recommending that Hutch be charged with murder and other offences, which are probably like uh, conspiracy to murder, attempted murder, possession of firearms, stuff like that, leading a criminal gang. And um, when the decision came back from the DPP earlier this year, say February, March, I think the Spanish started watching them uh, and getting ready for the time that they'd lift them. Uh, but he got tipped off some stage in the beginning of April and he disappeared and he also at the same time they started tweeting about aspects of the, the criminal investigation into the Regency and attacking and why, why do you think well, Paul, okay Paul why do you think he stayed there I mean a man as you say who has plenty of money no, no shortage of money he could probably re- relocate to any country where they didn't have the ability to extradite him why do you think he stayed there I, I really don't know. It doesn't. Bear, it, it, it makes absolutely no sense at all, uh, uh, unless he had just arrived back. Because where, where is Kinahan at the moment? Where, whereabouts is Daniel Kinahan? But, but he's in Dubai. You know? Dubai, yeah, yeah, okay. He's, in he's still there, okay, he's still in Dubai. And he okay. can't really leave there. In fact, he will be very nervous as a result of this, because just like Hutch, 
the once uh, I've been saying to people all day, you know, the wheels of justice grind uh, dreadfully slowly, but they do once they start grinding, they do not stop, and it is relentless. The same thing is going to happen to Kinnan. Mark my word. Um, if I never predicted anything else, Kinahan will be back here, I would say, in the next few years mm-hmm. because there's huge efforts made to get to take it back. And the big, the, the net point about this is, is, is at, the, at, the, at, the, at the end of the day is this. You know, the two crews went to war with each other. But what they do whenever they go to war was they inflict absolute terror on the ordinary society and they threaten the legitimacy of the state and they threaten to undermine the rule of law because these guys decided they want to start killing each but other. But they did un- they did undermine the rule and, of law. And they did. But Absolutely. that's why this there is this absolute obdurate determination to bring Jerry Hutch back. And it's also the same determination behind what's going on. But I mean, we had we had the same situation many years ago, of course, in Limerick, where you know individuals threatened the rule of law, and of course, that was one of the reasons, of course, that they brought in this idea that you could be set or you could be charged on uh, uh, the testimony of a superintendent. Mm. I mean, and that was for the same reason. So there there has been, you know, throughout the last fifty or sixty years, there's been certain individuals that have threatened the rule of law, and I suppose the Garda Shikana and the justice system has to make an example of people and say this can't happen. Yeah, and they, and they have to make yeah, and efforts have to be made to make sure that people who are well known and everybody knows these people are involved in crime that they have to be justice has to be served otherwise it just turns into a free for all I suppose but, but, but you see that's the effect of organised crime organised crime has got much deeper roots now in our society than ever before like we saw that appalling situation where those three thugs were killed uh, driving like lunatics uh, their last month and you saw that appalling Display. Oh, the display! Absolutely, the funeral was outrageous. Went around that people just didn't couldn't come out and say what it was, call it for what it was. And perhaps it's too early in the day for me to use the vernacular I would like to use on them. But like you see, when you see that the people who were at that uh, at that funeral, the community that supported those thugs, and especially bringing up to an altar a screwdriver, which is used to terrorise and injure decent, innocent, and elderly people in their homes and terrorise them. They come from a, a sort of a, a subcultural community whereby everything they do is perfectly normal. The problem is, can you imagine trying to wear your kids in the communities where these people live and where this behaviour is normalised? But, but isn't, but isn't that what happens? I mean, we used to use the, the term years ago, thugs raising thugs. So, but, but isn't that what happens when you've got a community which sees no wrong in, and you talk about those funerals and we saw the behaviour of the individuals on their motorbikes and stealing their hearse and all that kind of carry on. When you see that kind of behaviour, it's no wonder these young children of you know nine and ten, particularly young lads, you know, see this behaviour and they think that's normal, and they just they, and they aspire to be like their you know these older people because that's what happens, or isn't it? Cases, like one time, say twenty years ago, thirty years ago, cohorts in society like that within communities were small. You could identify them. Now you have it spreading like a virus right through the community. And I feel so sorry for the parents trying to rear those kids, trying to keep them on the straight and narrow, trying to keep them away from these thugs and scumbags, because that's all they are. Of course. And, and like, but go back to the, the, the Ken and Hutch feud. All of this is part of the same paradigm. And that is why the only response society has is to take them off the streets and put them behind bars for years. Uh, and to t- and, but the problem is, that, as I said, now, the, the weeds will continue to grow. So they'll have to keep coming out every now and again with the big strimmer and cutting them back. And then you will never get at the roots of it. Well, they do. Oh, well, they, all that happens is when these guys go into jail is they pass on the gauntlet. And by the way, and then they operate from jail as well. And we've seen that too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Killigan was in prison for 17 years. He was moving 
millions of euros worth of well, cocaine. Well, where is he now? Well, the last time I saw it was a he, video of him being arrested. He's a, he was arrested oh, as no, well. He, he, he turned, popped up on the anniversary of Veronica's murder on WhatsApp, as you would do when you're a, such an unrepentant psychopath. But he uh, he is in Spain awaiting trial for uh, possession of a firearm. You mm. may recall this. Uh, That's right, yeah. They what, found it buried at the side of his house. And yeah. they said it was the exact same make and model coincidentally as the one used to murder Veronica but it wasn't the same weapon obviously but he is facing charges for, for uh, trafficking in drugs and guns um, and the, I think the max he can face over there is five or six years he get 15 here but sometimes over there they give him a present but having said that he is an elderly man 69 uh, and uh, he'll you know he's back, he'll be back where he belongs he, and it goes to show as well that Prison, prison certainly never ever uh, rehabilitates these guys. No. But going back to Jerry Hutch, the thing about Jerry Hutch, uh, really for me, as the as the unofficial biographer and somebody's been chronicling his life, is it is so it is it is surprise in one way, but unsurprising otherwise because they all end up going back to what they were about. But he is. The last man I would, uh, he was the only man I thought would have actually made it true to die, uh, an old man in his sleep, because he was so clever and knew when to get out. And the sins, as he, as he has told his associates, the only reason he got involved in this and came out of retirement was because his family was under attack and he had to protect his family. Uh, that's the way he feels and that's his rationale. I don't think he'd be telling the judges that in the special criminal court. No. Um, but he will fight this extradition. It'll only be a couple of months. He'll be back. I'll be on trial in about a year, year and a half. I would say within the next two years, we'll be listening and looking at Daniel Kinahan. Maybe in about another three, four years now, we could, if we're still alive and if we're still employed, we could <laughs> still be talking about, uh, you know, the outcome of this case. My God, didn't it take 10 years, but wasn't it worth it in the end? At least they were got. And by the way, Jerry Hutch, by the way, go back to Jerry Hutch. Was Jerry Hutch ever in jail? Oh, God, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, he was, okay, because there was yeah, a suggestion, yeah, yeah. somebody suggested to me a while ago he was never oh, actually in jail with anything. Oh, he did. He, I, I, I was just scanning my book there, I can't remember exactly, but I think it was 1984. A long time ago, yeah. Conviction. Oh, uh, yeah, he has never been in prison or custody since. Right. Um, so he he's going back to a changed world there because he will inevitably be spending time in prison. Ah, but but all the little losers in jail will all look up to him. He'll be there like, they'll oh, no, be like their hero if he did go to jail. They will look up to him. They will look up to him. And, of course, if they had any brains at all, they'd look up to him and say, Jesus, this is what happens. If this is the cleverest and the most cunning and the most capable of all of us, then, Jesus, we, there isn't much hope for us. I think it's yeah. mature and move on. But Okay, okay. Uh, you know, well, well, it's, it's, a, it's an intriguing story, Paul. And I know you outlawed a lot of it in the, in the autobiography. And the book is, uh, it's called, uh, the, it was published last year, by the way. And, um, oh, sorry, what's the name of the book again, Paul? My apologies. The Monk. The Monk. Oh, yes, sorry. The yeah. I didn't call it Night Violence. <laughs> the Monk, the life and crimes of Ireland's most en- enigmatic gang boss. It sounds like a good read because I need to learn a bit more about the man because Fiver's I, I find the him post, intriguing. Right? The the... I mean, he's an intriguing individual, Paul, and we need to, oh. we need to learn more about him. Yeah. I have to admit that I have a bit of a soft spot only purely from the point of view that looking at some of some of the things he did, uh, I'm not talking about his crimes, but some things he did for some people. He he did. Uh, you you have to ask yourself this: Why does nobody in the north inner city have a bad word to say about him? It's very. Um, did you? By the way, just finally, did you ever sit down with him and talk face to face to him? Oh, I did. I had a pint with him. And is I mean, leaving aside the crimes, you know, that we know he may or may not be responsible for, or, you know, what he is being charged with now and being brought back to Ireland for in the book of evidence, 
What was he like? Is, I mean, is he is he just is he just salt of the earth? I know he I, you know, that, isn't that a term they use, salt yeah. of the earth? The first, the first time I met him was when they opened Corinthians back in 1998, and I was invited, but it was all orchestrated and, and choreographed. Because as soon as I walked in, I'd just written a book, and when I'd done the chapter on him in Gangland, a book called Gangland, and uh, I was invited, but the guards were all there, and they were invited to go. It was like it, it was it was an extraordinary event. I described it in the book, but uh, you know, there were all the local community leaders and mm. politicians, every criminal around the place. It was like an East End. It was like a, a, an extra, it all looked like extras from the craze. Uh, and <laughs> Jerry Hutch and the guards were all there. It was a community effort, criminal on both sides of the of the fence. They were all there. But suddenly the crowd parted ways. It was like the strangest thing ever. And there was Jerry Hutch standing with a point of him in his hands. And I said, Jesus, and to say hello to me and shook hands with me. And I said, how are you doing? How's it going, Jerry? And he said, oh, grand, do you have a point? And suddenly I asked, I said, I have a point to Heineken. Heineken, Heineken in, sort of materialized in my hand within <laughs> seconds. And then, uh, uh, like, he's a sinister individual. He, like, he looked through your soul uh, when he's looking at you. But I said, the first question, I said, Jesus, I thought you didn't drink. Yeah. He says, I have the odd one. Oh, that's grand. So then we started talking about the, the boxing. It was all quite friendly, but it, it, the, the next few times, it wasn't quite so friendly. And yeah, there's an undertone to it, isn't it? You need to stop writing about me, Paul, or else. <laughs> well, I've really pissed them off through the years. And, and, yeah, I'm sure, and sure you have. Them. I'm sure you've pissed off a few people throughout the years, to be honest with you. <laughs> but like, somebody texted and said, Jerry Hutch was a nice man. He was my mother's landlord in Buckingham Street, Dublin 1. He collected the rent office and he bought shopping for some of the tenants who were less off. That's right. That's right, yeah, yeah, that's right, absolutely. Yeah, and so charitably, he just bought shopping yeah. for people, yeah. Now, yeah. at the same time, though, if he came into your house or my house, if we were working in a place with an AK-47, you wouldn't have a nice thing to say about him. But that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that, that is the, the, the inherent contradictions about and the paradox around these characters, you know. Like, for example, this is very important, I think. And I've studied this for 30 years uh, in every sense from a sociological point of view. Jerry Hutch's kids, uh, Jerry Hutch insisted and, and made sure, and he's the only criminal I can think of that did this ever, that he insisted that his kids stayed away. He brought them out to live in Santaf, but he was an incongruity, a mi- million miles away from his cultural base in, in the north inner city. But he brought them to private schools, fee-skate, fee-paying private school, paid for now, in fairness, yeah. with a largesse from the various expropriations, yeah, of banks and stuff around the place. But he, he kept them on the straight and narrow, to such an extent that they're very, they're stand-up... Decent. Members of the community. Yeah, but he got, he's the only one that I've ever come across that's done that, and none of those kids have ever featured in crime, and he kept them away from crime. And I always think there is something in that as well. Um, none of this, by the way, mitigates for the horror and the outrage of what happened and what he's been charged with. None of it. But at the same time, it is interesting. It's part of the reason why he sort of character uh, and his kids are doing really really well in their chosen careers now in fairness they use different names and stuff like that but they're stand up yeah. good citizens uh, and like I, I wouldn't even go into what one of them does but by God uh, top of the range in their particular profession in their field yeah I mean well look that that's good to hear well look I, I have to go into a break well, listen Paul it's been very interesting actually it's intriguing listening to it and now I'm have to, I'll have to go and get the book now and the bus, so I'm not just giving it a random plug I think I need to go and read it myself it's called The Monk The Life and Crimes of Ireland's Most Enigmatic Gang Boss and it's by Paul Williams listen Paul thank you very much indeed and I appreciate You're you coming on the air today. To alright there you go Paul Williams that sounds like a really good read to be honest with you uh, an absolutely great read uh, because he, I, I find Jerry Hutch to be an intriguing character 
I well, I didn't say I said when I say I met him, I saw him once. He came into a radio station I was working in once. I can't tell you the reason why, but he came into it wasn't for an interview, but he came into a radio station I was working for once, which was a very interesting day. And when he walked in, it was like this kind of larger than life character, even though he's quite a small man, by the way, he's not a tall man by any stretch of the imagination, but. Because you have heard so much about him, and I suppose if you've watched the Veronica Garrett movie, he portrays, or they portray him certainly in the movie and in the books, as this ordinary, decent criminal. A man who never got really involved in drugs or anything like that. He seems to live live a reasonably healthy lifestyle. Um, Didn't directly order the killing of anybody, unlike many of the criminals that were around at the time, the general and others that we would have seen around at the time who were scum. This guy operated almost like the Michael Caine type character, if you know what I mean in those movies. The clever guy. You know, the guy who would be just in it for the money. And that that's the way he was seen uh, and has been seen throughout the years. Well, just to remind you again, he has been arrested. He's in, been arrested in Spain. He's been kept in custody. And this is on the foot of a European arrest warrant. And uh, a file on the case was submitted to the Director of Public Prosecutions. Uh, back in the Guardi produced and have served books of evidence on four men, including former Sinn Féin councillor, who were charged in connection with that murder. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.